Ashley Brock reading Diane Palmer's book, Heart of Stone, Chapter 10. The bodyguard was actually a Jacobsville police officer who worked odd jobs when he was off duty. He was powerfully built and never seemed to smile. Instead of riding in the car with him, he drove his own private vehicle and followed behind them to San Antonio. Clark had paid for his gas and would have bought him a ballet ticket as well until he mentioned that he preferred being burned at the stake so Clark had made other arrangements for when they were inside. Keely was wearing the same green velvet dress she'd wore to the dance and her mother fox doll in high heels she was nervous about mingling with the upper class of san antonio but clark held her hand and reassured her that they were just regular people like himself he recognized a friend of his and introduced keely to him the man was jason pendleton who owned a truck farm in jacobsville he was usually with his stepsister grace but tonight he was with his stepsister Gracie, but tonight he was with a redheaded whom, redhead whom he introduced as his fiance. The woman was brassy and not very polite. She dragged Jason away scant minutes later and led him to a local newspaper owner instead. I guess we aren't quite good enough company. Clark Muse, old peppermint nail over there, does own a newspaper, but our family could buy most everything he owns out of petty cash. Jason will tell her that at some point, and then she'll drag him back over here and gush, pretend that Peppernail is a cousin or something whom she had a duty to talk to. His sister Gracie isn't impressed by a dollar sign. She has friends who don't have a penny, but Jason's fiance apparently only associates with the ultra-rich. <laughs> he was amused. Keely was horrified. Is that the sort of people you know? She asked him, they judge you by dollar signs? <laughs> Jason doesn't. His fiance apparently does. He frowned. I wonder where Gracie is. It's unusual not to see them together. It is, she continued. Brothers and sisters don't usually partner each other at social events, do they? They're not related, he said carelessly. Gracie's mother married Jason's father and promptly died, leaving Jason to look after her. Gracie's mother is dead, but Gracie still lives with Jason. Until now, he wasn't been... He hasn't been much for commitment. His fiance is nice looking, I guess, but she's graspy, too. <laughs> Killy had noticed that. She was watching the woman as Jason Pendleton bent his tall form to speak to her. The woman gaped at Clark and Keely and winced. She just got the bad news. Clark chuckled under his breath. Keely laughed, too, but as she turned her head, her eyes collided with boots and glares. She shivered under the unexpected encounter. She rattled her eyes at once and turned back to Clark, clinging to his hand. Her heart was racing again. Boone had accused her of chasing him shamelessly. She didn't want him have to speak to him at all. <laughs> Boone was with Misty. He tugged her over to where Keely and Clark were standing. Before you start... Clark told his brother belligerently. I've got Garrett from the Jacobsville Police Department acting as our bodyguard on the road, and Detective Rick Marquis has the seat on the other side of us at the ballet. He gave his brother a cold look. He was still smoldering about the private detective's report on Nelly. I've covered all the bases. Boone's dark eyes narrowed irritably. He looked at Keeley until she was forced to meet there. That riveting stare, but she immediately turned her attention away from him. She couldn't forget what he said about her to his girlfriend. I still don't think it's a good idea, Boone said shortly. Boone, why don't we just enjoy our evening and let your brother and his friend enjoy theirs, Misty asked hotly. He's over the age of consent, you know. Boone gave Misty a look. He turned back to Clark. Don't put her at risk, he said only. I would never do that, Clark pleasure, and you know it. Boone gave Keely a long look that she ignored. He was growling when he escorted Misty to their seats. 
He invited Marquis Skilly asked for something to say. Yes, he loves the ballet, and he's our lookout inside, just in case your father and his friend decide to mount an attack in the audience. Yeah, it was pure sarcasm. Skilly laughed. I don't think that's likely to happen. Neither do I. But it's getting strange lately. He was giving Ains Garson hell on his cell phone last night. God knows what. Ains is his best friend, but they're falling out. Are they? She asked absently, still reeling from Boone's intense interest and in not really hearing what Clark said. Shouldn't we go in? We probably. Oh, there you are, Jason Pendleton's fiance rushed. I'm so sorry. We rushed away, but we had to speak to the friend of Jason's. Clark glanced at Keely and had the bodice tongue to keep from laughing. Jason was giving his fiance an odd sort of look, as if he hadn't noticed this social climbing precedent of hers. He wasn't conventionally handsome, but Keely could see why he drew women. It wasn't because of his money. She gave the couple a shy smile as Clark led her into the aquarium. Auditorium. Detective Marquis grinned, at, Detective Marquis grinned at them as they sat down. You're alone? Clark asked, surprised. I can't get girls, Marquis said. Once they see the gun, he indicated his shoulder holster, and they realize that I carry it all the time. They usually leave skid marks getting out of my life. But it's okay, he said pleasantly. I always wanted to spend my life alone with no kids or grandkids. Clark and Keeley burst out laughing. He just grinned. All through the ballet, which was beautiful and all through the ballet, which was beautiful and riveting, Keely was aware of Boone's dark eyes watching her. She hated the feeling she couldn't help because she knew what he really thought of her. It was humiliating that she couldn't wish them away. When the performance was over, Boone stopped Clark, Keely, and the bodyguard at the front door. We're stopping by Jago's Barn Grill for a nightcap. Why don't you join us? Your bodyguard is welcome to into. I don't drink on the job, Garrett said unapologetically, but thanks. We should probably start toward home. Clark began knowing Keeley's reluctance to be around Boone. Just a nightcap, Boone said, and he had that expression that meant he was going to get his own way, come hell or high water. Well, all right, Clark came in as he always did. He grimaced because he had a glimpse of Keeley's face when he agreed. We won't stay long, Boone promised. He and Misty started toward a sports car. It was parked next to Clark's. Misty was complaining loudly about the interruption. Intrusion on their privacy. Keely felt like doing the same. She didn't want a nightcap, especially with Boone. But they ended up in the bar anyway. Keely ordered a soft drink. Misty glared at her while she ordered a whiskey sour with a smirk, as if she knew Keely was putting on some sort of Puritan action. Marquise would approve, Clark said gently when Keely was there. You're not legal yet. What? Misty asked. You have to be 21 to have a drink in a... You have to be 21 to have a drink in a bar, Clark said carelessly. She frowned. You're not even 21, she asked Keely. I'll be 20 on Christmas Eve in four months, Keely said without looking at her. Misty was irritable when it showed. She sipped a drink and ignored Keely. Boone didn't. He seemed restless. When Misty excused herself to go to the ladies' room with obvious reluctance and Clark decided to go too, Keely was left alone with Boone. She couldn't force herself to look at him. She sipped her soda with both hands wrapped around the glass and stared toward the bar. You haven't said a word to me all night, he said on the and you, you haven't looked at me once. <laughs> Kelly did then, and her eyes were blazing. I didn't want it to seem as if I were chasing you, she told him coldly. I understand that I threw myself at you at the charity dance, and it offended you. His jaws taunted. 
He looked away as if the comment embarrassed him. There are things going on that you don't know about. You shouldn't be wandering around the state with Clark. <laughs> I'm as safe with him as I would be at home, she said. Clark is a wonderful man. I'm very lucky that your private detective turned him off Nellie. Apparently, she added with a meaningful smile, I'm more to his taste than she is. He is his growl was intimidating. But before he could speak, Misty was back. She swept into her chair and landed, leaned against Boone's shoulders to distract him. Clark and Keeley were stiff and uncomfortable, and they barely managed to remain civil from the time it took them to finish their drinks. Misty made a point of getting Keeley momentarily alone on their way to the cars. He's talked about nothing except you all night. God knows why. Well, you won't get him, she said honestly. I'm going to fix you. Keely didn't get a chance to ask her what she meant. Misty ran to Boone and almost tripped getting into their car. Misty was apparently jealous that Boone had mentioned Keely. She couldn't imagine why, but it thrilled her to think he might be regretting his bad behavior. What the hell is wrong with Boone? Clark asked on the way home. I've never seen him so grim. I haven't the slightest idea, Keeley said. I gave him the devil about the detective's report. He swore he hadn't put the man up to line. He laughed Keeley. It's hard for him me to stay mad at him. But I'm sorry I couldn't get us out of that trick. <laughs> it's okay, Clark, she replied. He's a bulldozer. It's hard for anyone to say no to him. Especially me, he smiled. When we were kids, Boone was always protecting me from the main older boys. He was never afraid of anything. I guess maybe he protected me too much. After our mom left, Dad was hell to live with. Boone took a lot of hits that were meant for me. He loves you. Yeah, and I love him too, he glanced. Boone said the Sheriff Carson was out your way. Yeah, she was like, I had to tell him what Dad did. Excuse me? She made her lower lip. Her brother was a criminal that was going to put Boom right off her orbit forever. She was certain that Haynes Carson had already told him about Keeley's parents. Two men had been best friends forever. My father was a drug dealer, Clark, she said quietly. He supplied the cocaine that killed Sheriff Carson's brother, Bobby. Oh, boy, Clark said, you poor kid. Now my dad's back, and he and his partner want money. Lots of it. I could give them whatever he they want, he said once. No! Her eyes were again. Don't you see? The only way to stop them is to keep them hanging around while Mama puts the house on the market. The police might have a chance to catch them before they can hurt anyone. Do you think your father would hurt you? He asked. Kelly had never liked looking back. Her accident had hurt more than her body. When the little boy dropped into the lion pit, Kelly's father had been standing on the other side. He didn't make a move to help her. Yes, he would, wouldn't he? Clark asked perceptively. Keeley drew in a long breath. It had been just after the court case that Keeley's father had brought her back to Jacobsville. He hadn't said much to her, and he hadn't met her eyes. She tried to tell herself that he'd only hesitated because he was shocked, but Keeley hadn't hesitated. I spent all these years trying to pretend that he brought me back for my own good, she said, but I think it was because I made him ashamed. She held up a hand when he started that question. I can't talk about it, not even now. It's so painful to think that my father was willing to stand by when a child's life was in danger. I loved him, but he was ready to sacrifice me to save himself. She looked in the same situation. Boone wouldn't have hesitated a split second. Neither would you or Winnie. Clark said home. Clark was home. It's hard to lose faith in a parent. I know. When our mother ran off with her uncle, we were devastated. Three little kids, and she just left. Keely was thinking that she would never have deserted her own flesh and blood, but she didn't say it. Clark went, you'd make a wonderful mother. He said, your kids would be spoiled rotten. She smoothed her hand over her left arm. No, she said absently. I won't have children. I won't marry. For your little scars aren't going to matter, he told her. She didn't reply. He had no idea. She couldn't tell him either. She glanced at him. 
I had a good time, she said, smiled and smiled. Mr. Pilta's fiance was a hoot, she chuckled. Do you think he's really going to marry a woman who's so blatant about social climbing? I think, like me, he got into a physical relationship that blinded him to a woman's true nature, he said after a minute. I hope he's lucky enough to see the light in time. She thought, that doesn't sound like you. I was watching Misty tonight. He replied, she was all over Boone, her eyes like dollar signs. She likes going first class. She pretends to have money, but I don't think she does. I think she's putting on an act to try to get Boone back. I hope he's caught better since. Jester was saying, I saw myself when I looked at him. I was just as enchanted by Nellie, but what I saw was an illusion. He answered, you won't even let me buy, give you emerald earrings, and you love them, he said to me. I've never known a woman like you. Actually, there are lots of them, and they all live in Jacobsville and commercial wells, she teased. Just plain unsophisticated little country girls who love animals and live to plant, like to plant things and don't think marrying a rich man is the grace of life ambitions, he grimaced. I never get one of those kind of girls past boom. He said with resignation, he always expects the worst when I date anybody outside our own circles. That stunk, but she didn't say so. Clark had been kind to her. I have to go, she said. I had a wonderful time tonight, Clark. She had it. Thanks. We'll do it again. I didn't mean that like it sounded. But dating girls outside my own circle, he added. I always think of you as family. She smiled. That's the nicest thing you've said to me. Look, she was, I guess you'd rather I thought of you as an eligible young woman. She shook her head. I like being your friend. I like being yours. You being kisser, she. If you ever need help, you know who you can ask me. She chuckled. Of course I do, but I can take care of myself. Good night, Clark. Good night. He watched her go into the house before he drove away. Her mother was unusually quiet. When Cleely asked what about the house, she only got evasive replies. Carly was nowhere in sight and hadn't been for some time. She was out of town. For a while, Ella said finally and didn't refer to Carly again. There was also a disturbing phone call that Ella had answered with single-syllable replies. She wouldn't tell her daughter what had been said or even who had called. When a car pulled up the front door on a rainy Saturday morning, Ella actually gasped. Keely ran to look. It's Boone Sinclair, she stammered shock. Thank God, Ella said heavenly. Thank God. She walked back to the hall, went into the room, and closed the door. Surprised, Keeley went out onto the porch as Boone exited the car and took the porch steps two at a time. He was in working clothes, jeans and boots, and a white Stetson with a checkered west-cut long-sleeved shirt button right up to the neck. He looked down at Keeley, his dark eyes stormy. Come for a drive, he said courtly. She could have found a dozen reasons not to go. She wanted to come up with an excuse. Her mind agreed, but her body walked back into the house, grabbed her purse and a lightweight jacket, and told her mother goodbye. Boone opened the door of his car, helped her inside, and went around to get in, started the engine. A minute later, they were speeding down the highway toward his ranch. She was nervous, and it showed. Her hands played with her small purse while she listened to the rhythmic sound of the windshield wipers as they brushed again away the pouring rain. Despite all the recent turmoil, she felt safe with Moon, safe, excited, hopefully, hopeful, breathlessly in love. Her whole body ached to be held again, and he held her at the charity dance. She hoped that didn't show. It did. Boone was far too experienced to mistake her body language. She smiled softly to him, so she'd been involved with his brother, as Clark claimed. She wouldn't be this nervous in Boone's company. That meant there was still time. If he could convince her that he hadn't meant to humiliate her, he pulled out into a pasture tack and led to a closed gate, stopped the car, and cut off the engine. 
The rain flowed onto the windshield, making the outside world a gray blur. He unfastened his seatbelt, settled himself crossways in his seat, and stared at Keeley. The silence was a little unnerving. She glanced at him and found her eyes captured and held. Clark says the two of you are going steady, he said. Now what did she say? She wondered frantically. It wasn't true, but Clark was using her as a tool of vengeance, apparently for Nellie's loss. She bit her lower lip and tried to find a graceful way out of the dilemma. Did he say that? She asked, playing for time to think. His dark eyes now, don't play games with me, he said coolly. Are you or are you not getting mixed up with my brother? Sorry, Clark, she said silently, but no mere woman could have resisted that look in Boone's eyes. I'm not, she said, sounding breathless as though she'd run a long way. The tautness seemed to go out of him. Well, thank God for one thing going right. He remembered I could have slugged Ames Carson. While she was trying to work out that puzzle, he unfastened her seatbelt and pulled her over the console into his arms. I thought this week would never end. His mouth ground down into hers as if he'd gone hungry for years. Sought to satisfy the hunger in seconds. Crushed her up against him, mindless of her soft cry protest. I'm starving to death for you, he whispered into her. Dying for you. Had she really heard him say that? She gave up protest, and it didn't do any good anyway. She curled up against him and ignored the pain in her shoulder and arm. Going boneless in his adore only increased at her... Boneless as his adore only increased at her response. Her head began to spin. It was the sweetest interlude of her life. Rain pounded on the roof, the hood, the truck. The wind blew, but she heard nothing over the pounding of her own heart. She had no reserve left. Whatever he wanted, he could have, except for when his hand searched under her blouse and up over her breast, inching toward the strap. She couldn't, didn't dare, let him fill her shoulder. With a sharp little cry, she jerked away from her. Her face flushed from his adore, her eyes wild with passion and dread. He misunderstood. His, his eyes grew cold. He pushed her away, dragging in a horse breast till he could control himself again. He'd taken her pro protest the first time he kissed her as her virginal fears. This wasn't. She rejected him. She lied about her feelings for Clark. She couldn't hide the fact that she didn't want intimacy with Boone. His ego hurt almost as badly as it had when Misty shred. Chilled away from him in a military hospital. Boone, she began slowly, dreading what she had to tell him. Now, forget it, said interrupting her. He put his seatbelt back on and started to go. Obviously, you can't get past your feelings for Clark knows when. He didn't say another word or even look at her until they were sitting in front of her house with the engine. It isn't what you think, she bit off. The hell it isn't, he returned on. Goodbye, Kaylee. The way he said it, she knew it wasn't simply a temporary farewell. He meant that he wouldn't see her alone again, ever. Her heart broke. He thought she'd rejected him, and it wasn't true. She couldn't bear to see the look on his face if he got her shirt off. That would end any chance she had with him. Of course, she'd just done that without the added trauma of what he didn't know. She drew in a cry, but thanks for the ride. She managed in a polite tone. She opened the door and got out. He still hadn't said a word. He was down the driveway before her foot was on the first step of the house. She didn't look back. It wouldn't help. Her mother was still acting oddly. Almost a week had passed since Boone had taken Keely riding and kissed her. The rain had stopped and now the heat blazed. They were wildfires. Everyone was afraid to throw down a match or burn trash or even smoke a cigarette outdoors. It was almost time to harvest corn and hay and peanuts. The corn and hay would have to last the livestock through the winter and it was very important. Combines and tractors were sitting on ready for the last day's counted down to harvest. Saturday morning, the sounds of machinery could be heard everywhere. When he stopped by 
To pick up Keely for an improv lunch, assessing her, assuring her first that Boone was out of the combines and wouldn't be in all day, he'd taken a cooler with him, bearing lunch and beer. I hope I have enough eggs to do the egg salad, Winnie murmured as they pulled up in her driveway, past the huge posts that held the non-open gates that led to the house. If I don't, I may have to run back to the store. Why didn't I think of it while I was in town, she moaned. She glanced at Keely and looked over. Boone's really out with a combine, she promised. I wouldn't lie. Keely relaxed and smiled. Okay, sorry. Not your fault, when he replied, leading the way into the house. Boone raged about you all weekend. In fact, not to mention Haynes Carson. God knows why. But this morning, something came by express. He took it into the office and got all quiet. He went out without a word, walking really slow. She grimaced. God help the cowboy. Somebody will quit by sunset. You mark my words. He's seething. You don't know why, Keely had asked. It couldn't have been something about my father. When he looked surprised. What what would Boone have to do with your father? Keely felt true. He said he talked to Sheriff Haynes. What is wrong? Keely, what's going on? She asked. Did Clark say anything to you at all? He said you had to take a bodyguard with you when you went to San Antonio. When he replied gently. I'm not stupid. There's gossip about your father being in trouble and threatening you and your mother. But I didn't think Boone would be mixed up with that. No, no, of course not. Keely said it was. She forced a smile. And he had no idea what was really going on with Boone and her best friend. It was probably better that she never did. Boone would never look twice at Keely again anyway. She wondered how she was going to manage to draw back from her friendship with Winnie without making the other woman suspicious. She had to find... She had to find a way. Just the thought of running into Boone again after the way they parted Saturday made her nervous. They started lunch, but as Winnie had predicted, she should have bought eggs. She only had two. I can't make enough egg salad for us now and for the men later out of just two eggs. She left. She grabbed her car keys and her purse. You finish the pasta salad and I'll run to the store. I'll only be in 15 minutes. She glanced at Keely's world. He's over in the North Pastor. She had no Boone couldn't even get here in 15 minutes. Feel better? Yes, Keely said blatantly when he pursed her lips. I do wonder what's going on between you and my big brother, but I won't ask. Yet. She rushed out the back door and closed it behind her. Keely felt less secure. She finished the pasta salad and put it in the refrigerator. She heard the front door open and close without a fang of relief when he was back. But the footsteps coming down the hall weren't soft and muffled. They were heavy and hard. Apprehensively, she turned. And there was Boom wearing stained jeans and boots, a shirt wet with sweat, his stetson dangling from one hand, his eyes on his eyes as they met hers were blazing with anger. <laughs> Come into my office, Kaylee, he said. I've got something to show you. He turned to walk away, leaving her to follow. She paused at the open door of the office, tucking at the buttons on her long-sleeved white shirt. She was wearing over tan chilled slacks. She was holding the envelope that Winnie said had come by express service this morning, took out a photograph, and held it out to her. Have a look, he said in a tone so threatening that I made the hair on the back of her neck stand up. And then tell me you don't have anything going on with Clark. End of chapter 10.